Hello, everyone. We're back here on the podcast for the first time in what seems like forever. We have some Utah State basketball talk. We have some Utah State football talk. We have a little bit of everything in this fall and winter season of Aggie sports. So stay tuned. Hello and welcome into the Statesman Sports Desk podcast. I'm Dalton Rinshaw. As always, I'm here with Jason Walker. Jason, how's it going? Now that basketball season has started, I'm doing a lot better. Do you feel refreshed that you at least have basketball to look forward to at yes. least twice a week? It's it's so awesome just getting to watch Utah State. So I've been to five games in, what, two, week, two weeks or so? Yeah. 13 days or something like that. It has been long. And just like... Just feels like every time it's like you need to pick me up. Oh, there's a basketball game tonight. You need to go watch some good, nice Utah State run somebody out of the building basketball. Well, I mean, <laughs> that's the way it's been, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's probably going to change soon. We got uh, their first home game or first road game yeah. out of the first six coming up. Technically, it's an intrasite game. Technically, they're yes. only playing like a handful of true road games uh, during this non-conference schedule. A lot of their not at home schedule are neutral site tournaments. Yeah, you're right. It's it's basically you have um, the conference opener. They're going to head to San Jose for a one gamer, and then you're looking at all the way until uh, January first. They head to Nevada uh, to play UNLV, which is like the real kickoff of conference schedule. Yeah, but well, like the, the the one true road non conference game will be St. Mary's. Yes, but yeah, other than that, you have so there's the Jamaica one. They're about to head to. Uh, Beehive Classic. Uh, and then there's the Florida tournament. Yeah. Well, technically, there's two separate tournaments. There's the Battlegrounds 22K19 or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Florida. Yeah, yeah. Houston. Yeah. The Orange Orange Bowl Basketball Classic. Yeah. The point is, they're going to be <laughs> basically anywhere but Utah and yeah. anywhere but <laughs> an actual opponent's location for yeah. quite a while. So well, those those games in Florida will definitely be, or the game, the one game in Florida will feel like a road game because mm-hmm. they're playing Florida in the state of Florida in Sunrise, Florida, wherever that's at. Uh, I'm not exactly sure, but as long as it's in the state of Florida, you know Gator fans are going to travel. Yeah, definitely. So that'll feel like a true road game, even though it's going to show up as a neutral site game, which might hurt utah state if yeah. they lose that game or might hurt them if they win that game like either way you know doomed if they do doomed if yeah. they don't it, yeah neutral site games never really look that great on a resume yeah but um before we go too far into the schedule i guess before we look all the way down into <laughs> february and january and all the way out there uh should we talk about their first five games a little bit yes we should so i mean like we said five blowouts pretty much um i believe now, one of them was an eight point win right so it wasn't really a blowout right okay I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself you're right the, the the first game of the season was an eight point win and then it's been a string of blowouts since then um i'm thinking of blowouts because uh there's somewhere in like the top 15 in the nation of uh points um points margin you know what i'm talking about what's Scor- that stat Jason? scoring margin scoring margin 14th if i'm not mistaken that's right average of 32 that's right um so I mean, yeah, the, the the last couple games, it seems like once they kind of shook off that Montana State game, um, in some ways, uh, they still have some things to work on, which yeah. I'm sure we're going to touch on a little bit too. But, I mean, yeah, you can't beat basically blowing every team out by 30-plus. Yeah, effectively, yeah, because yeah, after that eight-point uh, win over Montana State, and Montana State's going to be a, a lot better than I think people were uh, were expecting. They showed it against Utah State. I think Montana State's 4-1 or something like that. They're only lost this season. Uh, is to Utah State now. Yeah. And they nearly pull it off in the spectrum against the then 17th ranked team in the country, now 15th. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, you look at these other games, they just boat raced Weber State. And then, you know, same thing with Denver. And again, North Carolina A&T and UTSA. And they just – the thing is is that – and I, I tweeted this out. I basically said, you know, yeah, Utah State's played a bit of a cakewalk schedule. Not a bit of a cakewalk schedule. It is. Yeah. Has been. They've not played on the road. They've not really truly been tested. But they've also not shown any real weaknesses. And, I mean, you look at other teams, you know, in the top 25, they end up showing those weaknesses really close games to teams that really they really shouldn't be allowing in the game. I mean, Kentucky versus Yeah, Edmonds, I was just so going to say. <laughs> Kentucky versus UVU. I mean, UVU's not a bad team, but they had to – they're tw- – program got torn apart yeah. in the wake of Mark Pope leaving. Yeah. They have nobody left. They're a whack team, regardless. Yeah. So that's. The... Did you see what the guy said during yep. the game? <laughs> <laughs> I did. I was, I was debating whether we should bring it up on the podcast or not, but just look on Twitter and you'll, you'll find the, the clip. The, there were a couple of things I've seen this week as far as uh, interesting announcer mm-hmm. things, because there mm-hmm. was that. And then the there Jokic? Was, yeah, Jokic. <laughs> yep. That was awesome. <laughs> so, uh, if you, yeah, if you're looking for uh, some fun sports uh commentator moments go on I, at least i found them through a twitter uh a, a twitter web a twitter website a twitter page twitter user twitter yeah twitter page called uh daily sports dosage go check it out but anyways yeah. um yeah so i mean the the point remains playing the teams that they have played they've at least handled business and other than the montana state game um have a look like they were obviously the better team and very confident in the way they were playing yeah yeah, and that's, that's the thing is you, you look at how they've played, and they've played really well. And the other thing to consider, along with the fact they've not really shown major weaknesses, they've not shown exploitable weaknesses, Yeah, their second-best player and arguably most impactful player has yet to step on the court. Yeah, and, and, and the crazy thing is, too, is, um, I mean, I guess that that's enough in itself almost, but the center position hasn't been great this season either. Yeah, it's, it's had its moments. Uh, Kuba, in the early, you know, there were some – Early scares and struggles against UTSA before Utah State obviously caught on and blew him out by 32 points. But Cuba had, you know, eight points in the first half, and mm-hmm. I think most of that came early on. He had a couple of dunks and gave Utah State a spark. But, yeah, other than that, I mean, there's been struggles to rebound from our centers. Cuba had, um, I believe, ten rebounds last night. That was by far his best rebounding game. He hadn't really impressed to that point. Yeah. And he probably should have had two or three more. He's, his hands aren't really that great. That's one thing I didn't realize about him from kind of scouting him a little bit in the offseason from whatever video footage I could scour off the internet. Right. You don't really see how bad a center's hands are in his highlight reels. But that, that's something that's been worrying. Uh, Trevin Doris has been all right. But again, neither of those guys are offensive forces. No. And that's... Really the main thing, because on defense, they're doing fine. Kuba's a great rim protector. Trevin is a workable rim protector. Yeah. I mean, he's seven foot. And against some of these smaller teams, he looks like Godzilla down there. And he's able to <laughs> dominate, but, you know, he'll have a harder time matching up, matching up against true Division One talent. Right. So, I mean, defensively they've been all right, but yeah, the, the offense is really where they've been missing Namiya Keita and... They haven't been able to run any of the sets. There's a lot that Kata brings just by being there. They're able to run sets through him when they give it to him in the post. That can open up shooters because it forces double teams. And Kata obviously can take advantage of mismatches yeah. and score points himself. He averaged 10, I think 11 points a game last year thereabouts. Second leading scorer on the team. Yeah. So you're getting points. I mean, right now I think 
Trevin and Cater are probably averaging a combined like five points a game, if that. Kuba, Trevin, Trevin and Kuba. Is that what you're talking I, about? Did I say Trevin and Dorius? No, you said Trevin and Cater. Cater. <laughs> Sorry. No, you're good. I so, just want. I was like, is Kata averaging? Uh, what's he averaging from the bench right now? Currently, <laughs> he's averaging zero points. <laughs> I can confirm that. Uh, so Trevin Dorius is averaging four points a game. Kuba's averaging three point four. So you're getting like seven points out of right. him. Right. Uh, granted, I think Trevin. Oh no, Trevin has played in every game. But yeah, you're not getting them any effective offensive minutes out of those two. Right. And, but and the thing is, you'll get offensive minutes out of Kata. Plus. Better defense, mm-hmm. which is scary considering, you know, we've not been lacking for defense right. at the rim. So you're getting better defense, better offense. You're making an already scary team in some aspects even yeah. scarier. And like we've, we've talked about a little bit previously, this team's essentially like self-sustainable where it doesn't matter who's in the, in the lineup necessarily. I mean, right now you have... Uh, five players averaging in double figures, and then you have Abel Porter also averaging seven at sixth in, in a team. like They're getting scoring from other places, which is why the impact on the offensive side of the ball is not a huge deal right now, um, from the center position at least. And yeah, like you're saying, once they get Kata back in, it is it is kind of scary to think about almost when you know you start adding in some of those games against, you know, they're still going to have the Eastern organs of the of the world. They're going to still have the St. Catharines of the world who I'd never heard of until... St. Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> Until a couple weeks ago, um, and, and like this team is definitely going to be maturing as the season goes on. But bef- I mean, they're going to have some tests before that. They have obviously LSU this weekend, which is going to be a big test. Um, and then you know you have St. Mary's and other teams like that. But it is interesting how y- you kind of touched on it um, that that some of those teams have already lost this season. Like yeah. it seems like uh, some of the, the the really good opponents that they had on the schedule have already kind of maybe start to show some of those weaknesses that Utah State hasn't, at least up to this point. Yeah, so, well, they've played tougher opponents. Um, so it it's easier to see them having lost. Right. You have to take it with a grain of salt a little bit. Utah State's going to have its first loss by December. I'd, I'd guarantee that. If they don't, I'd be really surprised. Well, and that's just the nature of college basketball. I mean, you know, teams are going to drop three, four games in the season and, you know, still be in the top ten, you know, depending on where they're from. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree. I think this isn't gonna this little fairy tale land they're in right now isn't gonna last forever. But at, at least, like you know, you brought up the the things that are going going well for them are, are are going well, and they haven't shown a ton of weakness. But if you if you were to point out something maybe that they need to improve on um, before they really get into the meat of the schedule, what would you say it is? Well, it mostly does just come on the offensive end. I think. There's a few worrying trends. I know one thing, conversation we've had, uh, I think mostly off the air, is in regards to Utah State's shooting ability, which mm-hmm. it hasn't lived up to expectations. Uh, you know, A couple of players haven't been doing so well. Uh, Abel Porter, actually, is having a really poor shooting season from three-point range. He's actually doing really well overall. He's like yeah. 10 percentage points better overall than he was last year. That's because he's shooting really well on uh, two-point field goals. He's getting to the rim, actually, a lot more. But three-point percentage, he's at uh, 22.2%. He was at 40% last year, just yeah. a hair over 40%. And so it it really hurts Utah State when Porter can't be making those threes because he was only taking, like, two a game. Mm-hmm. But still, at 40% clip, you're looking at a guy who's making anywhere between one and three three-pointers a game. And those are just, you know, it's a little shot in the arm that you're getting points 
from other guys, and it takes that much more of a load off of your main scores. The fact that Abel Porter can't provide that, it's hurting his value on the court. But he was a very valuable player last year, and it's it, you know it's it's hurting him this season. It's it's harder to play him if he's not being efficient in that shooting. And also the last two games, he's had a bit of a a struggle as far as his playmaking. Hmm. He started the season off with an almost five to one assist to turnover ratio. In the last two games, he's had four assists, eight turnovers. Hmm. I don't think that's going to continue though. Right, but still, and. But overall, you know, Alfonso Anderson thought he was going to be a little bit better from three-point range. He's shooting 25% right now. Brock Miller, he's not shown any improvement from last season. He's basically the same. He had that one spectacular game, um, which, granted, he went 7 of 15, yeah. which is in Pretty the good. 40s. <laughs> yeah. it, it was good. He made seven threes, but it took him 15 shots to get there. Um, so, again, he's at like 35.7, which I think is around where he was last mm-hmm. season. I think he might have been at 37-ish. Last year, um, I mean, you've seen improvements from Diogo Brito and Sam Merrill. Merrill's making fifty-four percent, and Diogo is above forty percent. But those are the only two guys. Like those two are really carrying the three-point shooting, and you can't have that. You need three or four of them at least. Are, are you surprised to not see, um, like, maybe somebody, uh, like we? I know we spoke about a little bit before the season started somebody like Carson Bischoff or like anybody um coming off the bench getting any more minutes or is that kind of just the way that the I guess the games have played out that they haven't really had had the need to put those kinds of guys in I'm a little surprised Carson hasn't seen any real time in fact I don't think he's been on the court at all yeah I'm like looking down the the roster in the stat sheet right now and I don't see him I on feel here like I vaguely remember him being in a game but I could be wrong mm-hmm I'd have to check. Well, actually, well, he would, then he would show up on the minutes. So if he wasn't right. a game, okay. So yeah, he hasn't stepped on the court at all. So yeah, I'm a little surprised. I don't know if they can redshirt him, or I don't know what they're planning on trying to do with him. Yeah, that's interesting. If they can redshirt him, then that's probably what they're doing. Uh, so they can save it for when Diogo and Sam aren't here next year, and they'll have you know a really good shooter for next year, but. Yeah, that, that that is one of the concerns. I think offensively they're doing all right, but it just feels like there's a little bit better they can be doing in some areas. Shooting's the main one there. Um, so we mentioned um, we mentioned Alfonso Anderson a little bit in his his poor shooting performance, but <laughs> overall, uh, how how do you feel about Alfonso Anderson's impact this far in the season? Oh, he's been really good. I mean, he's a starting caliber four in the Mountain West, and uh, he's playing off the bench. And it's a nice luxury to have. Yeah. And the guy ahead of him, Justin Bean, is very much deserving of his starting spot. So with Anderson, you're looking at a guy that you can get 20 plus minutes out of a night. Like there have been times we thought, you know, Dogo Breed would walk in and probably just win Mountain West Sixth man of the year easily. Because like who else is going to win it? Granted, that's probably a legitimate question to ask. We'll see who the candidates are uh, midway through the Mountain West season. But like, there have been times where Diogo's not even the best man off the bench for Utah State. Alfonso's been doing that. Alfonso's got a couple of double-digit rebounding games, I believe. He's averaging 12 points a game. He's he's a good energy guy off the bench. He's an awesome teammate. I mean, he and Justin Bean have formed a small ball lineup that can be pretty dangerous at times, or at the very least, like they can hang with a lot of teams. And that, you know, if Anderson, if he gets his three-point shot up, which I think it will, I think he's better than he's shown from three. Yeah. 
And if he shows that, then that just makes the, the team even more dangerous. So um, we, we've kind of talked about a little bit uh, surrounding the team and like how everyone's playing, but do you, do you foresee them um, losing to LSU this week or do you think that they're going to be able to pull that one out? Depends if Kata plays. Hmm. If Kata plays, they should win. So what's your feeling on that right now going into the game? Uh, it's a tough question to ask because they haven't really shown too much of, you know, they haven't given away too much. Um, Smith's been very deliberate on not allowing information and he's either being 100% honest and just saying he doesn't know or I'm much more inclined to say he's just being a little coy about it and just saying I don't know when in reality he has a plan. Right. He knows what he wants to do. He's not an idiot. You know, he's playing dumb a little bit to the media, I think. And I think he's been planning it. I think he's been targeting this game. Or at least Kate has probably been targeting this game as a return because this is where, you know, this is one of those games where down the road we're looking at potential seeding for the NCAA tournament. Uh, if things go wrong, this is potentially a avenue into the NCAA tournament if you don't win the auto bid. Right. It's this game. It's Florida, St. Mary's, all that. The stretch that is now coming and you want to get him involved. Because, yeah, now missing Mish K is going to start hurting the team. It was never going to hurt them in this five-game stretch. didn't matter you left him out. The only thing that hurts for him are his season totals at the end of the year. Right. So I I think he's going to play. I don't think the injury was ever that serious. I just feel like they've been erring on the side of ultra cautious. Right. Which would make sense. I mean, like you don't want to rush injuries like that even if they're not super serious. Um and then obviously, you know, this guy's got a potential other places than Utah State, so you want to be kind to that as well. Um and I, I'm almost wondering if um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like the last time I've seen something like this where maybe they kind of just deploy him um, as almost like a, a spot player in these bigger games and rest him for the other ones in between that aren't that aren't that important, honestly. Yeah, maybe he'll have a minutes restriction, but I think he comes out. If, if you had to ask me for my prediction, I say he plays against LSU. I don't know. We're going to see. I might try it. <laughs> If I end up going to media availability, I'll probably try and ask Coach Smith. Granted, he'll probably just give some say-nothing response. Yeah, uh, He'll probably say something. He always he tells Jeff Goodman and John Rothstein, I think, as I say, and he keeps telling them but because hmm. they're big, you know, big yeah. boy national writers. Yeah. Um, Are you saying you're not a big boy national writer, Jason? Apparently not because <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't trust me with the information. I don't even know how he's disseminating that information because yeah, we're know. not technically supposed to have uh, phone numbers, at least – the university doesn't want us to. Yeah. I guess there's no crime against it. Yeah. Well, I guess maybe if you have a little bit more um, of a platform, <laughs> the, the relations are probably slightly different, I would imagine. I'm sure it is. Like I said, I'm a student writer, and those guys are national guys who yeah. cover a lot more than I do. So they've kind of earned that that a little bit more. Yeah. Still bitter about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> As you probably have reason to be. <laughs> well, so, okay. Let's... let's uh. I think we've probably touched on basketball enough for right now, unless there's anything else you want to talk about. Uh, there isn't a whole lot, because, again, we're looking at a team that we don't really know who they are yet. Yeah. We've seen them blow out teams, but you don't know who a team really is until they've been tested. Yeah. So once we see that, once we see them against LSU, once we see them in these road trips, 
We'll know more about them. We'll know more about their character. And obviously, once Kata comes back, we'll get to see who this team really is and their actual potential because we'll have pretty much the whole roster. Funny how we kind of almost said that about the football team once they played LSU as well. It seems like that was kind of the turning point for the season in, in some ways as well. We've said that about half the football games. That's like true. San Diego State, LSU. That's true. So many of them. Are we still not sure? How do we feel about this? <laughs> I'm not sure if I've actually figured that out yet. I, I, For once in the last few years, we have a team that you can't really predict anything about. It used to be fairly predictable the last couple of years. Last year, I was, I missed one game in my predictions. This year, I've missed two or three. Yeah. We were both wildly wrong about the BYU game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> as as most people were, honestly. Yeah. So, I don't put, it, I don't put the blame on us. <laughs> <laughs> well, it falls on the, it falls on the team. Yeah. You know, we, we can only analyze. We can only guess. Look at the evidence. But at the end of the day, you got to put it on the football field. It's true. And we'll be talking about that football team a little bit uh, coming up here. We're going to take a short break, but... Um, we'll come back and we'll talk about another injury that's been very, very uh, close to the vest, as, as they say, um, for the Utah State football team. But we'll also talk about some pretty good performances that they had in the last game, some, you know, kind of unsung players that had, I mean, career performances, and kind of just talk about uh, the overall state of both the Boise State Broncos coming to the game and Utah State, both teams kind of on their last legs at the end of the season. Yeah. So we'll talk about that. Stay tuned. We'll be back. And we're back here on the podcast, and we're here to talk about football. We have football. <laughs> I mean, we had like the perfect football weather last week, right? Oh, yeah. It was, you know, not too warm, not too cold, no precipitation, no snow flurries in October. Yeah, just that was about the most ideal football weather I've seen in a while. And an afternoon start. Yeah, which just, is, I mean, that's yeah. heaven sent. Yeah, that that was really nice. To not have to wait till the end of the day, and of course, I had to take work off to go to the game. Oh, because normally I work until two. Yeah. Two forty. So. Well, well, at least you had a Saturday night to yourself, though, didn't? Yeah. I said, and I got to sleep in for one of the first times in like, at least on a not Sunday. I sleep, yeah. in, I get to sleep in on Sundays. It was nice to be able to sleep in on Saturday. I was like, ah, oh, yes. Yeah. It was nice to get out of the the press conference and get your story turned in at like eight o'clock at night. It was yeah. wonderful. Was like, there we go. People can actually read this without having to stay up till three in the morning to read my crap. Wow, people are really really interested in. in your work if they're going to stay up till three o'clock in the morning that is i'm not even staying up till three o'clock in the morning <laughs> no. reading my stuff no chance <laughs> well so <laughs> unfortunately the this week we're not going to be quite so lucky we have an 8 30 kick for the boys state game <sighs> which is you know travel into the depths of the uh, depths of the night you know once the game gets over and everything but hopefully it's a good game hopefully it's a game between two teams who are banged up they're both fighting for a mountain west championship spot and i mean it looks like right now air force kind of made it more difficult by beating colorado state last week which we really yeah. thought that was going to happen and have a little bit easier easier of a pathway but it looks like um if i'm not mistaken there will be 
um, kind of like a three-way tie, right, for the top of the division. If- yeah, if Utah State wins, which the problem is that ends up coming down to, I think with with how everything's set up, mm-hmm. I think it will end up coming down to playoff rankings. Mm. And Utah State, no, no. So just- that's yeah, that's. It's basically Boise State's to lose at that point. <laughs> yeah. So Utah State really has to – they have to hope Air Force loses a game, <laughs> which I don't know who the, who's Air Force playing this week. That's a very good question. I mean, you, you would think that playing Colorado last week – Colorado State, excuse me um, – would be kind of a cakewalk, and they didn't make it a cakewalk. So it almost – you know, maybe it doesn't matter who they play this week, but who well, do they so play? Well, so they play uh, New Mexico this week. They play Wyoming okay. the week after. So they're going to beat New Mexico. Yes. But Wyoming, that'll be a really tough game. Yeah. So there is there is potential. Uh, they're, they're playing that game at home against Wyoming. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll, we'll see if Wyoming can stand up to the the Air yeah. Force run game, which I don't know, not too many people have done that this season. Not too many people have. And honestly, I, I thought a lot more highly of Wyoming before last week's game and and now I'm almost not quite sure because they were they were pretty dreadful in some areas last week. Well, their offense was awful. You look at how much Utah State's given up on the defensive side of the football, and Wyoming couldn't move the ball. No. And the defensive line either played one of their best games of the season or just the best game of the season, or Wyoming's offensive line is terrible because they were getting a push, setting up the linebackers. Heck, they were getting tackles themselves in a lot of cases. And... Yeah, Vanderwall, Taylor Vanderwall is not a very good quarterback. Not a very good quarterback. I tweeted out at one point in the game, I think, that um, it was funny because you have Valaday, who was the third leading rusher in the Mountain West at the time. Like you say, they had some issues at offensive line, so it makes sense why they weren't maybe running it a ton. But they decided to get into a passing game with Vanderwall, who, like, no hyperbole, was not completing passes to the line of scrimmage half the time. (laughs) There was... There was one where the running back, he's running this little, uh, it wasn't a... It's like a wheel route kind of thing? Yeah, but he, he stopped like just outside the offensive yeah. line, and it was a little hitch route, basically, yeah. like that, that swing route, but it was a hitch. Yeah. And he overthrew, he threw it <laughs> over his head, yeah. five yards away, the most basic of passes, and there wasn't an offensive lineman in the way. I mean, I think there's a bit of a rush, but it's like... Dude, these these are passes that every quarterback can complete in college football. And he, he it wasn't just that he threw it high or a little low. He put it over his man's head five yards away. It just was not good. I mean, it got to the point where I saw the Wildcat formation for the first time in like three or four years. <laughs> I hadn't seen <laughs> that in a while. How much football have you been watching? Well, I mean, yeah. That's fair. <laughs> Maybe that was a little bit hyperbole, but yeah. So, I mean, yeah, Wyoming will be a tough game for Air Force. Um, obviously, Utah State will have Boise State this weekend, and then they'll have New Mexico the following week, when, which should be a win. Um, I mean, barring something catastrophic happening yeah, between absolutely them. catastrophic. Like, if Utah State forgets to show up to the game, that's about the only way yeah. they won't beat New Mexico. But, I mean, let's talk about that. I mean, something that's, I mean, you could possibly uh, qualify as catastrophic when you take in the fact that not only is there best defensive player out for the season now i'm not saying jordan love's gonna be out for the season but we just don't know what jordan love's status is gonna be and as of right now gary anderson doesn't want to comment on it so you can't really speculate too much but it seems like the safe bet would be 
he's probably not playing this weekend. Yeah, that's what I'd go with. I'd just say he's not going to play. Whatever injury it is, they took him out. And unless it was a complete precaution, mm-hmm. he's not playing, which that's on the table. But given how little Gary Anderson said after the game, he didn't say anything during the Monday presser. I don't think Jordan Love's playing. Yeah. And it it's probably a very small sample size to base this off of, but I didn't think when Henry Columbi came in, he did all that well. Yeah, that's the thing. Whenever we've seen Henry Columbi before now, he's been pretty good. Yes. But when he had to play real football, he did not. And granted, you have to come in halfway through a game, but the thing is, you know, for we mentioned these things about, you know, how hard it is to come into a game and just suddenly, you know, all of a sudden, Henry, you're, you're up. Right. There are so many players who have done that and succeeded. It's a really hard excuse to make when we've seen great players will step up in those situations regardless of whatever it is, you know, with preparation and things like that. Henry Columbia wasn't ready. Yeah. And, and, and maybe he'll be ready for Boise State, but right. again, you know. I mean, you would you would hope though that um, coming into every single week, you'd be prepared to at least step in and take over for a quarter or so. You you know the playbook well enough. You know what's going to go on throughout the game earlier. Um, and yeah, I just wasn't super impressed. But maybe you're right. Maybe giving a whole week of preparation, things will work out a little bit better. If you know, even if we don't know what's going on, maybe Coach Anderson's already told Columbia he's starting, and so now he has a whole week to prepare. Um, the good news is. Uh, it looks like Boise State will be on at least their second or third string quarterback in the game as well. So, I mean, at this point, Boise State hasn't played nearly as well on defense this season. Their running game isn't nearly as good as it's been in the past. They're on their second or third string quarterback. So, oh, Their offensive lines will beat up too. I mean, it, you really do think that Utah State, for all of their flaws as well, probably still has a pretty good chance in this game. Yeah, I'd give them a puncher's chance. Like just with the injuries in it's at home, Utah State's done well at home, excluding the uh, BYU game. Uh, So when there's just so much up in the air with all these injuries, you do have to give Utah State a chance. You know, I mean, with Henry Columbia, the one thing I said is he's actually, he's more athletic than Jordan Love. Yeah, for sure. I think he's got as good of an arm, or at least his arm looks about as good. His accuracy and touch, right. specifically his touch, isn't there because he bullets every pass around right. around the field, which is probably maybe that maybe that makes his arm look a little better than it is. But yeah, you know, we'll see if Henry Columbia can complete the passes. But it, it felt like they didn't trust him a whole lot. I feel like they're going to the ground game more. But yeah, this this game is just going to be a bit of an unknown because Henry Columbia could walk out there and throw for three hundred yards. I could see that happening. Yeah, so. I mean, and I don't know how yeah, really, this is going to pan out at all. Really, anything is on the table at this point. But I am kind of excited. Like you mentioned, Henry Columbia's athleticism. I'm kind of excited to see if Mike Sanford inputs a little bit more of like maybe QB run schemes in there, and or maybe even getting outside of the pocket a little bit more and kind of give him a little bit more time to pass because it did seem like at least in the first couple drives that he was in the game against Wyoming. He definitely seemed a lot more flustered, kind of just sitting back in the pocket and trying to have make passes. So, um, yeah, I don't. I honestly, I don't know what we're gonna get on Saturday, but it, it's a huge game for Utah State. It's a huge game for Boise too, because they've they've shown that they have a lot of weaknesses this season. They've almost dropped games against Wyoming, San Jose State of all teams, and yeah, they haven't looked right. They let teams into the game 
a lot. Yes. And but you mentioned that Henry Clemmy thing. That's actually a really intriguing thing because Jordan Love uh through ten games set a career high in rushing attempts. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that were designed runs. Yeah. And so I think they are probably going to institute a lot more read option where Columbia tucks the ball and run because he he can actually make plays with his legs. He's not Lamar Jackson out there. Right. But Jordan Love's a guy that you you run him on in niche situations. You know, yeah. last year they ran him at the goal line, ended up with seven touchdowns, despite the fact he had 40, or 63 yards. Yeah. At one point in the season he had negative yards and like four or five touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, he's He can make plays with his legs when he needs to, but he will not get downfield. No. Columbia kind of can, though. Yeah, Columbia 100% can, and, and you always want to – kind of give give the quarterback the option to let his, his skill set shine through. And so that's where I, I think that definitely should be an option, at least something that they consider. Because, yeah, Jordan Love's never going to get you that 15, 20, 35-yard run, you know, breaking through the hole, and which has been weird why they have ran so many quarterback schemes, in my opinion, because he, he's never threatened in any of them. So it seems like you're just push, uh, putting him out there to get beat up. And Yes, that's the thing they, I think, Stanford came in and saw the playbook where there were some of those runs in there and how Jordan Love had seven touchdowns and all that. And he was like, oh, let's run him. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> no, that's not his skill set. Yeah. It's why I chuckle whenever I've heard somebody call Jordan Love a dual threat quarterback. It's like, <laughs> no. No, not, not, give him not credit, in the slightest. Give, give him credit for his athleticism. He is athletic and elusive. But again, that's going to get him five yards, not 15. Right. Which you can't run him and expect him to get, you know, those chunk yards the way right. you want them to. So uh, as a whole, do you think Utah State will have to rely on the run game a lot more since, I mean, it's a, a complete unknown with Henry Columbia throwing the ball, or do you think they'll maybe give him a quarter or so to test out his throwing abilities and see where he's at after that? We'll see. Gary Anderson said that, you know, being able to throw the ball was crucial to their offense. Of course, he said that when Jordan Love was still healthy. Right. So... I think in this game they're going to rely on the run a lot more. I don't think Columbia throws more than 30 passes unless this game starts getting out of hand. If mm-hmm. it's close, you're going to see a run. It's going to be a lot like Colorado State, except you know not 38 carries or whatever it was for Gerald Bright. Right. You'll see 15, 16 carries maybe for Columbia if they decide to go that route with the run. It's not a guarantee they'll try it, but they should. Yeah. Uh, so you could see some big runs from Columbia. You'll see, uh, I don't know if Jalen Warren's still healthy. They keep trotting him out there occasionally, but then yeah. they, they go back to Joe Bright, which makes you wonder about health. But if they can get kind of a, a three-headed monster with Joe Bright, Jalen Warren, and Columbia going, that could formulate the base of their offense. And then hopefully they can get some play action in there because this season their play action has been awful. Yeah. So we've made the joke in the past. <laughs> I remember we were talking about it before uh, well, the Wyoming game over the weekend that basically every game has been like a race to 20, right? Um, do you kind of think that this game will be similar to the Wyoming game last week where basically the first team to get around that 20 spot is going to be the one that wins the game? Or do you think it's going to be um, – I, I don't imagine, imagine it being any sort of a shootout. No, I don't think so. It's either going to be uh, kind of the ugly game like Wyoming or yeah. Boise State's going to blow out Utah State. You, those are really your two options. Utah State's not going – to keep up with any sort of, you know, significant offensive production that Boise State has, which I don't think Boise State can really do that. So that's why I 
I tend to lean more towards this being an ugly game, but I could also see Utah State not making it to ten points if things go wrong. Yeah, I mean they haven't they haven't necessarily shown the ability to be able to keep up and shoot out this season when they did have Jordan Love. Yeah, the the only one really was, uh, I mean they had uh, Wake Forest and Fresno State. Right. So you have right now currently Boise State's at an eight point favorite. How do you feel about that line? It's right about right. I I definitely lean towards Boise State as a favorite. I'd pick them in the game. That's probably going to be my prediction. Is that Boise State's going to win? You could see something like 27-14, somewhere in that 6-15-ish yeah. uh, type of range as far as uh, scoring margin. So if we're going to give the percentage chances right now of, let's say, a 10-point win for Boise State, 10 or less, or a 10 or more win for Boise State, a complete blowout, which way would you kind of lean? Are you saying that the chances of Boise State blowing them out are probably going to be slimmer than a close game? I'd say slimmer. I'd say it's I'd say it's probably 67% chance that this is a close-ish game mm. within one score, very close to one score, like that eight, eight or nine-point margin. The you know Utah State could mount a late-game drive and make this you know potentially tie, a potentially game winner, you know that type of thing. So I, I can definitely see it. That's why I'd give you know in that thirty to forty percent chance that, Utah, that Boise State blows them out because again they've been a better team. Utah yeah. State's really struggled at times, and they've shown the potential to get blown the heck out of the water. But given the injuries, given the situations, given Boise State's had plenty of games where they don't show up this could easily be a close game. I can't say Utah State will win it. Like I said, give them a puncher's chance. Yeah. And defensively, they're going to obviously have to limit the Broncos to, you know, under 20 points. They're going to have to play really well on that side of the ball. And I'm really curious to see if you're going to get another game out of Eric Munoz, who had an absolutely stellar game against Wyoming last weekend. His first collegiate start at the Division One level. Yeah. And, I mean, he makes a career performance out of it. Like, that that's a game that a lot of players would wish they could have on the resume. Yeah, I'd never heard of him before. And then all of a sudden we're talking about Eric Munoz, you know, gets an interception and then he's getting a bunch of tackles. And it's like, where did this kid come from? Mm-hmm. And, well, he came from just about everywhere because he played, uh, you know, college in Iowa, Division Two. then he was at uh, junior college in San Diego, and finally comes redshirts at Utah State. He appeared in a couple of blowouts last season. Yeah. And then this year, nothing up until back into Fresno State. Mm-hmm. And then career games. Yeah. You know? You can hardly write a better story. Yeah, I mean the story. The story really does write itself. It's one of yeah. those like times where the cliche actually does live up. Where I mean, we walk into the press conference after the game, and you already look at the box score, and you're like, "Wow, I mean, this is a great performance, first career start." And then the story behind it makes it even better. Yeah, well, especially because the, the kid came walking into the media room, or you know, it's actually it's their team room. It's not really the media room, right? It's where they have the media meet, right? But he came and he's holding Bridger's rifle, and it's just like. Just the ultimate token of like the, the triumph of yeah. the night. And I mean, when he went to the locker room afterward, you know, they're lifting him up on mm-hmm. the shoulders, just like, and they're so happy for him. Then later in the week on, uh, uh, or I think it was on Monday, yeah, where you know they they were in that same room, you mm-hmm. know, the, their team room, the little auditorium, and they announced he's on scholarship now, mm-hmm. from being a walk-on to now being a scholarship, and you see all the guys like jumping over their yeah. things to go, you know, mob him and whatnot. You, you can't even see him in the video. Right. 
Uh, just, just getting attacked by all of his teammates. Yeah. He's literally under a pile of like ten teammates. Yeah, it's like, like three layers deep. It's like you you watch the you press conference and that, and it's like uh, you look around it's like who's chopping the onions? Right. Like it's just it's it's an amazing story. I mean, the yeah. guy choked up in his own press conference, and like honestly, like yeah, I mentioned this to you. I wasn't paying a ton of attention during the press conference. I was you know doing a bunch of stuff, you know trying to set up you know your eventual recap article and right. a bunch of other things and then all of a sudden I, I i hear him start choking up and all of a sudden just like bam yeah. head up i'm full-on paying attention um because it's just the kind of story that you, you just can't yes miss. and i'm sure you know most people out there have seen the video or heard the audio already but we'll probably put a little bit of the audio of the press conference in as well just in case you haven't heard it because i mean it's it's a great story and it's something that um you're definitely gonna have to do more research on and look up, and uh, I know Jason's going to have a story here on the Utah Statesman here in probably another day or two, we'd say. Um, yeah, so, hopefully tonight. It was in the it was yeah. in the, the paper, was it not? Yeah, it was in so, the, uh, if you're able to get your hands on a hard copy of the Utah Statesman for this week, it's in there. And yeah, just a, just a great story. And I'm, and I'm really curious, though, if that game can translate over to the next game, because, you know, it, a lot of the times you'll get these kind of blimp performances for somebody, and that's just, you know, a one-game thing. It's not going to be the standard. But uh, if, if you go back and actually watch the way he played um, and just the nature of that linebacker position right now where really it's him, it's Kevin Metzenheimer, and there's not many op- options behind that, Yeah, I think he's definitely going to have another uh, opportunity to make a big impact in the Boise State game. I think and it will come down to the defensive line. Cause like I said, the defensive line set up the linebackers really well in that 100%, game. 100%. Yeah. And, and had themselves a really good game. I was very impressed by them. Uh, we'll see how well uh, Munoz does when the defensive line doesn't have a great performance. Because David Woodward was able to do that. But he's also, yeah. I mean, pre-injury, he was a... Yeah. Almost day one talent, probably day two in the NFL draft. Yeah. But we'll see. I mean, we've seen these kind of kids pop out of nowhere, and certainly their stars. I mean, David Woodward seemed to pop out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. So it could happen. We'll just have to wait and see. I really hope he does. Yeah. It's the guy that you can't help root for. So, and it'd be a real big boost because, yeah, that linebacker position took a real big hit with David Woodward's loss and that just that whole front seven, which I predicted was going to be really good, yeah. and I'm looking really <laughs> foolish right now uh, because of that. But I'm not entirely at fault because they've had injuries. Yeah, there's been some injuries. There's been some – yeah, there's been some questions around that position all season long. And, yeah. But – there's a lot of stuff that's gone wrong and a lot of stuff that we could go over, starting with the coaches and the players. Yeah. And a, there's a host of things we could talk about. Yeah. It feels like there's maybe there just needs to be a podcast after the season that's a complete biopsy of. Just a post mortem? Yeah, post mortem. Hopefully it's not a post mortem. Hopefully it's, uh, well, some things went wrong, but we still did all right. You know, yeah. bowl game and winning record and all that. Yeah. But. Well, uh, for right now, let's focus our attention on Boise. Let's get a win this weekend. Yes. And, uh, yeah, at least that's the mindset Utah State is going to have because, really, uh, once you get past Boise State, New Mexico should be a cakewalk, and then you're looking pretty good for, if not a Mountain West championship, at least you put yourself in a position where you're 8-4 and, and you're going to get a decent bowl bid. Yeah. 
So, well, we'll see uh, if you want to tune in the game. Obviously, it starts at 8.30. Um, if you can't make it to the game, you can listen on radio. If you're not going to watch it on TV, we'll be broadcasting the game on KBLULP 92.3 in Logan. Um, you can follow us on Twitter and online on Facebook as well at the Utah Statesman. You can follow me at the DREN underscore sports. You can follow Jason at the Jaywalk 67. I've never asked you what the 67 is behind that. It's my football number. Okay, that makes sense. I've been realizing slowly and slowly that I wonder how many people consider its proximity to 69. Yeah. <laughs> that has nothing to do. It was, it's my number in football. You're just too short of nice. <laughs> <laughs> Not nice enough. <laughs> Not yeah. nice uh, enough. Eventually, if I get into a professional career, I actually have another Twitter account that I'm I have a different uh, username. It's you can't find it because it's locked in private. But. Yeah. Well, as as for right now, we'll keep right going. now I'm yeah. I'm holding on to it. Maybe one day I'll just change it anyway. But right now, all the things I work with, it's it's what everybody knows. So yeah, and so you can also follow the uh, Statesman Sports Desk um, on Twitter. Um, even even though we haven't had a couple podcasts up lately, we've still been super active on there and um, actually had some some. Uh, pretty good interaction on the last couple posts so that's yeah, that's good to see i post some fun graphics there just about every game mm-hmm. uh you know i had one about eric munoz which mm-hmm. got some nice interaction there um yeah yeah so if you want some fun graphics i usually put those out uh you know like i said one or two a week yeah so thanks for thanks for looking at our stuff thanks for interacting thanks <laughs> for listening to the podcast thanks for your patience it's been like a month since we've I had know. one of these man I didn't realize how tough being a college student would be and yeah. also trying to do media and stuff like that it's uh, it takes a toll sometimes but that's no excuse we're back we're in the studio we're gonna get you guys content and uh I mean it's it's really hitting the peak of Utah State sports right now yeah it is. this is the best time to be an Aggie fan no doubt all right thanks guys see you next week Done here.